Well, good evening. I don't know what hit us, but we've been hit. And uh, we got a lot of people out tonight, but we're going to forge ahead and try to be helped by the Word of God tonight. So if you would, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this time. It is good to be here tonight. It's good to have your word that we can look into. Lord, it's a blessing to have the freedom that we have to assemble tonight. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to uh, not take lightly this time that we have, but that we would be willing to uh, take into consideration what is said, how it might be a help to us in the days to come. And, Lord, that you would just help us to draw closer to you in our walk with you. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. This evening we're just going to be looking at one verse of Scripture, and I know that uh, for myself there's a concern at times that I don't want to just get bogged down in one particular passage and, and be someplace too long, but I think tonight's message is one that we really need to be reminded of. I think it can be a help to us, and so uh, I'm not going to apologize for the lack of ground covered but uh, I want you to know that hopefully next week we're just going to fly and, and, and get several verses under our belt, okay? Uh, so tonight, just one verse, and uh, it should be easy enough for all of us to grasp. I'm going to begin this evening by making a statement that I know you would not disagree with. I know that everyone here tonight would be in complete agreement. And that is this, that over the course of our lives... We have all needed some extra motivation to do what needs to be done. Every one of us, at some point in our lives, we have needed a little extra motivation. There is not one of us so disciplined and so driven that we don't need some help. And there are many places in which we can receive motivation, is there not? There are many places that we can receive motivation from. And one of the places that we can receive motivation from is the actions of another person. I think every one of us at some point in our lives, maybe we've hit one of those spells where we're just not too motivated, we're not too driven, maybe we've lost some of the discipline, we've lost some of the passion, and someone comes along and simply by how they are living, it motivates us to continue doing or to get back to what it was we were doing and be the person that we're supposed to be. Now, again, I know that we agree with that. I know that we don't argue that. That is true of every one of us. So as we set that aside tonight, I want us to think about some of the cast members or some of the, the, the role players in the Scripture that we've been looking at for the last several months. And I want to begin tonight by reminding us of who the Apostle Paul was, both at the time he wrote this letter and who he was prior to his writing of this letter. All right, prior to this writing, or prior to the Apostle Paul that we know him as, we know that he was a very religious individual, one who was very zealous, one who was very passionate for what he believed to be right. Was he not? 
He was certainly a man of passion, and he was certainly a man of zeal, but he was certainly a man who was misguided in his thoughts and in his beliefs, so much so that according to his own testimony, he persecuted the church, he persecuted believers, and he was willing to kill those who had placed their faith in Christ. We understand that, right? That that is who Paul was prior to his salvation, that he was one who was willing to persecute the church and take the lives of those who had decided to follow Christ. So that is who he was prior to salvation. Even after salvation, he was a man who had the same struggles that every one of us have. He still had his sinful flesh, he still had his sinful desires, he still had his sinful tendencies. Just because he was saved did not mean that he did not still have sinful struggles. He had struggles just like everyone else. So no matter how godly he became, no matter how greatly he was used in the work of the Lord, Paul himself admitted he struggled in his Christian life like every other believer. So we understand who Paul was prior to his salvation, and we understand who he was to an extent after his salvation, a man who was used, but a man who still struggled like anyone else to be what he was supposed to be every moment of every day. Now if you consider the other players or the other role member or cast members in this, in this book, so to speak, you've got the believers of Corinth. Now, we don't know a whole lot about the individual specifically, but we do know from, Paul, from Paul's first letter that they were certainly saved, many of them, out of very wicked and ungodly lifestyles and backgrounds. Okay? So, so they came out of a very godless background, they came out from a very unwholesome background, and they were saved. And yet we know this without doubt, that after their salvation, they still had struggles in their personal walk. They still had struggles when it came to their godliness and their obedience. If that were not the case, then Paul would not have written the first letter that he did, reprimanding them on so many spiritual issues. All right, so we understand this, that Paul... He was zealous and he was passionate, but he was wrong and he was misguided. He was a murderer by his own testimony. Even after salvation, he still had struggles. And the believers of Corinth, they had their own sins, they had their own problems, they had their own vices, their own issues. And even after salvation, it was a struggle for them to walk in the way that they should in obedience to the Lord. Now, that in mind, I want us to think about this because this is very important for where the message is headed tonight, okay? Both Paul and the believers of Corinth, prior to salvation, we might say it like this, that they were spiritually bankrupt, that it did not matter what their passion was, it did not matter what their zeal was, it did not matter what their lifestyle was, it did not matter how good of a person they may have viewed themselves to be, prior to their salvation, they had nothing to offer anyone of significance by way of spiritual items or spiritual truths. 
We would have to agree with that, right? That prior to their salvation, there was nothing of significance to them as it related to their spiritual condition. They were lost in their sins. So as we think about that, I want to make some application just real quick, and then we're going to get to the text. I want us to think about you and I prior to our salvation. We come from vast backgrounds, do we not? One person has this background, another person has this background, another person has another background. We come from all different walks of life. We come from completely different backgrounds. And and once we got saved, that was a wonderful transaction. That was a wonderful moment. And, And we'll deal with that more in just a little bit. But I want us to think about this, that it does not matter where we came from prior to our salvation Every one of us were spiritually bankrupt, just like the Apostle Paul and just like the believers of Corinth. Not one of us had anything to offer anyone spiritually prior to our salvation. We were both hopeless and helpless. We had nothing to offer anyone. We were dead in our sins So therefore, we could not have been a help to anyone. We may have known the right things to say. We may have known the answers to certain questions. We may have known how to play the part. But prior to our salvation, we offered no one anything. We were kind of without purpose, without significance, without real meaning, because outside of Christ, life doesn't have a lot of purpose and a lot of significance and a lot of meaning. So prior to our salvation, that is where we found ourselves, just like the believers of Corinth and just like the Apostle Paul. So notice in verse number 9 what Paul says. He says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ... That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Now I know that we're familiar with this. I know that all of us could probably explain this tonight just as well as I'm going to. But I want us to begin looking at this. He he said in verse number 9, the first part of it, he said, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean to know something? It means to understand something. It means to be aware of something. It means to have a mental awareness of something that is going on or something that has taken place. And so what Paul said to the believers of Corinth is, is he said, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You understand and you are aware of the grace of our Lord. What is the grace a reference to? Well, that is a, refer- that is a reference to the kindness, to the mercy, to the goodness of God in a person's life. Okay, so, so what Paul is reminding them of is this, is that they were the recipients of the grace of God, and they knew the grace of God, they understood the grace of God, and they had an awareness of the grace of God. And, and again, it was something that was not merited, it was something that was not earned, All of this was done because of the goodness of God. 
He goes on to say in that same little statement that I want us to see this, he says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. What does it mean whenever it says that he was rich? Well, it's not talking about his financial portfolio. Okay, God, obviously, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who was God, who is God, God has no needs, not needs that you and I would ever be made aware of. Okay, so so as Paul talks about the riches of God or the richness of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's not just talking about his his lack of financial concern or his being set, so to speak. He is talking about everything that God, the Lord Jesus Christ, enjoyed while in the realm of heaven. Think about that for just a moment. What God enjoyed in the realm of heaven, he was a person or, a, or, or a one, for lack of better words, he was one who was rich. In an environment where there was no sin. In an environment where there were no consequences for sin because there was no sin. In an environment where nothing but the praises to God were heard. Think about the environment that the Lord Jesus Christ had dwelled in for all eternity. That is where he was. That is where he, he resides and, and did reside. And, and so Christ is being, or not, not Christ, sorry. Paul is mentioning Christ and he says, He was rich, but he said, Yet for your sakes he became poor. I know that we know this, but let's think about this, please. If you are rich and you become poor, that is not a lateral move. It's pretty simple math, right? If you are here and soon you find yourself here, from a human perspective, you have not advanced in life. You have gone backwards. This was a demotion, no doubt. Think about it from this perspective. To leave the portals of heaven that our minds cannot grasp, to walk on this earth, that's a demotion. The comforts of heaven to the struggles of this life. That's a demotion. I mean, when Christ took on flesh, he took on all the struggles that you and I struggle with. He had the fatigue. He had the weariness. He had the, the, the pain. I mean, everything that you and I experience as individuals, yet without sin, that is what Christ took on. So to go from that perfect environment of heaven and the comforts of heaven to come to this earth and the struggles of this earth, that was a demotion of sorts that we cannot grasp. Now I'm going somewhere with this, so just stick with me, okay? To go from a place 
where your praises are sung nonstop, to go to a place where you will soon be rejected and despised and hated? Again, a demotion that our minds cannot really grasp or comprehend. So Paul, in writing of Christ, said that he was rich, but he became poor. He gave up everything. He sacrificed everything. And and look at what he said. He said, yet for your sakes. What is Paul reminding them of? He's reminding them of this. That it was for their benefit that Christ was willing to do what he did. Paul is reminding them, from a human standpoint, Christ did not gain anything from this. Christ was not the one who was benefited by this. Christ is not the one who came out on top in this transaction. Paul reminds the believers of Corinth that for Christ to come to this earth and to leave his riches and become poor, every bit of it was for their sake. It was not for the benefit of Christ. Well, let's think about this for just a moment. If that were true of Paul and the believers of Corinth, then would it be any less true for you and I? The obvious answer is no. Think about this. For Christ to leave the riches of heaven and to become poor, to take on, not not sinful flesh, but to take on flesh and to walk on this earth, he did not do that for him. He did that for us. His life was no more enhanced by doing that. But the one who believes in him, their lives are forever enhanced by what he was willing to do. Okay, so, so we've got to be reminded of this, that, that, that Christ coming to this earth, leaving the riches of heaven and the glory of heaven, and to come to this earth, it wasn't because he needed the experience It was because he knew what we as sinful people needed. So in verse number 9, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Notice what he says, That ye through his poverty might be rich. This is something we don't want to lose sight of. It was because of the willingness of Christ to be made poor that an individual is able to now be rich, not from a financial perspective, but from a spiritual, eternal perspective. Think about it. You've got Paul, and what was he prior to salvation? He was spiritually bankrupt. 
It didn't matter how zealous he was. It didn't matter how passionate he was. It didn't matter how sincere he was. He was sincerely, passionately, zealously wrong and on his way to hell. And if he had not repented, his whole life would have been wasted. The believers of Corinth, prior to their salvation, it didn't matter what they thought of themselves. It did not matter how they viewed themselves. It didn't matter how great they thought they were. Until they got saved, they had no eternal value to their lives. They were going to waste the life that God had given them. And friends, the same is true for you and I. We were as spiritually bankrupt as the believers of Corinth were, as the Apostle Paul was, and if it were not for our salvation, you know what we would do? We would be wasting our lives. There would be no substance to our lives. There would be no merit to our lives. There would be no significance to our lives. The only reason that we have any worth whatsoever is because of what Christ was willing to do. And so because in his poverty, what he was willing to do for our sakes, we were able to be made rich. We're the ones who benefited from Christ coming to this earth. See, as a result of salvation, what that did is, is that that gave us now a home in heaven when we pass away. That's a wonderful thought if you think about it. That, that listen, I, I don't have to spend forever in hell. Because of what Christ did, I am now eternally rich. I've got a home in heaven one day. That's a fantastic thing that we are benefiting from. And, and I get to call God my Father. Now, I get to go to the one who, who owns this world, who, who, who has everything at his disposal. That is what I now have available to me. Friends, I am rich and you are rich, no matter what the bank statement shows, not because of what we possess, but because of who we possess and who we have a relationship with. So here's Paul writing to a bunch of people who in and of themselves are spiritually bankrupt, but because of what God had done in the poverty, they were now made rich. And the same applied to you and I. It didn't matter how much money we had prior to salvation, we were spiritually bankrupt. And when we got saved, it didn't matter how much money we didn't have, we became rich the moment we got saved. Isn't that a wonderful passage? You know, I mean, if you're just kind of feeling down and maybe a little discouraged and maybe feeling like, what's the point of all this? Boy, it's good to be reminded that he became poor and that in his poverty, for our sakes we might be made rich. That's good. Kind of like Brother Mike, it almost makes you want to shout. I bet if it wasn't a Wednesday night, I bet we would. But, but otherwise, it just kind of makes you want to, right? I'm rich because of what God has done for me. Now, as good as this passage is, as wonderful as this truth is, 
Here's what we need to be reminded of. There was a context to all of this. Right? I mean, as wonderful as verse number 9 is, it's kind of surrounded by a bunch of other verses. So what were the previous verses talking about? Generosity, benevolence, and giving to others in need. And the Apostle Paul had already said, listen, you kind of need to look at the example of the believers of Macedonia. Uh, Here's what they did. They gave in the midst of their affliction, in the midst of their own poverty, and they gave more than what would have been expected and more more than really what would have been uh, appropriate for them. They really gave liberally. And he said, you might want to consider them. And he said, you might want to know that that, that I'm writing you about this to test your love, to see if it's real and to see if it's genuine. And whenever we get to verse number 10 and you read through the rest of the chapter, you know what Paul is still writing about? He's still writing about giving and generosity and benevolence and, and doing something for others. So why would Paul write verse number 9 right in the middle of all this that he's already written and is about to write? Because sometimes the child of God needs a little extra motivation. It's fair to say, right? Because not one of us are so driven and so disciplined and so passionate that we always get it right in and of ourselves. Sometimes we need some motivation to be what we're supposed to be. And sometimes that motivation comes through what? Through the actions of another individual. I I think this is fantastic the way the Apostle Paul works this in. He, He reminds them, listen, you used to not be so rich, spiritually speaking. And what did God do? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God, though he was rich... Yet he was made poor, and he was made poor, or he became poor for your sakes, that ye might be rich. And so it's kind of like this. So guys, whenever you're asked to give, and guys, whenever you're asked to to help and to be a blessing and, and, and to do something for someone else, but listen now, before you start saying, no, 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 this isn't really a good time, remember what's been done for you. Because you'll not have a more generous gift given than your eternal destination being forever changed by the grace and mercy and kindness of the Lord. So let's think about this. Just just for a minute. We're almost done. Just think about this, though. For the last two weeks, I have reminded us that sometimes we're called upon to give when it's not convenient for us. Right? Somebody's in need. Somebody finds themselves in a bind. And and as I've said for the last two weeks, it's not because of anything foolish they've done on their own. It's just the the harshness of life that maybe has got them in this position. And, And the Spirit of God lays it upon you or He lays it upon me. 
to do something to just try to ease the burden of, of whatever it is this person is carrying. And what is our go-to line? Well, this really isn't a good time. Okay, that, that's my go-to line sometimes. This really isn't a good time. You know what I need to be reminded of? Do you know how much was done for you a little over 2,000 years ago? When Christ left heaven, came to this earth, took on the form of man, and eventually died. And you who were spiritually bankrupt, you're now rich. Now, now what were you saying? You can't afford to give. This isn't a convenient time. I don't know, but if you really think about what all Christ did on behalf of mankind, what he did on behalf of you and I, I really don't know when he would have looked at all that and said, well, this is convenient. This would be a great time for me to do all this. No. You know what he did? He just did it because he knew it had to be done. And I'm just trying to show us that sometimes we might need a little motivation. We might need a little encouragement. We might need a little help to just go ahead and step out in obedience and be generous and to be benevolent and, and, and to be just just liberal in, in our expression of love. And, and, and so as we need that motivation, it's good for us to be reminded of what God did for us through Jesus Christ. And if, if we'll allow ourselves to be motivated, we'll find ourselves a lot less stingy, no matter the circumstance of life. Think about what God, what Christ did for us and how expressive of a gift that was. How dare any of us in turn say, no, I can't because it really puts me out. What Christ did for us let that serve as motivation to do in obedience whatever God would have us to do to be a help to those that we could be a help to. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, we come to you this evening. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be mindful of what it is you did for us on Calvary. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be mindful of how you forever changed our eternity. And Lord, how that was something you did not have to do, but you chose to do for our sake. We understand that. We're aware of it. We're, we're mindful of it sometimes. But yet we don't always let that motivate us to be more generous, to be more kind with what we have. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be reminded of your goodness so that we might pass that along to others. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. As Rachel